it's just as confusing because much like we've been sucked into like this bullshit financial scheme from birth, we've been sucked into this bullshit food scheme from birth. Like if you're in that hospital bed, like you have no freedom, like your freedom is gone. You are at the mercy literally of like the hospital or of your condition, like your freedom is gone. So generational health, generational wealth, but also like your freedom. And without either one of those things, you have no freedoms. And it's like a, it's like a spectrum. The later stages in their life where these people could maybe like impact their family for generations with knowledge and, and participate in family gatherings, their energy and their mind share is focused on just like not dying. Like I'm helping people in that very moment. They're going to be back. And there's nothing that's being fixed here. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus. Rather, two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we have Michael Atwood on the line from Oshi. Michael, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good now that I'm unmuted. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm looking at, at Michael's beard here, and I'm like, <laughs> that's the aspiration. We're on day one. <laughs> day one, and by next year, that's the goal. I'll, I'll probably be patchy throughout here but it, we'll, we'll see how it goes i'm gonna give it a shot beard game is strong i actually just trimmed mine like literally 10 minutes ago because it's getting hot still well yeah. it's still hot i should say yeah. yeah end of summer here but michael how are things doing the same yeah how, how are things going on on your end got a lot a lot going on with with oshi changing paths and you're still in texas right home base yeah still in texas just outside of austin things are going well Things are busy. It's good. We're building, you know, keeping it going. Don't stop. Have you noticed the dynamic of Austin change at all in the past six to 12 months? Because I've heard that a lot of people have moved back to California. Really? They moved back? That's, yeah. Yeah. I've heard there's been somewhat of a little uh, exodus from Austin back to California. And then I've also heard a lot of Airbnb owners have been struggling in, in the Austin area. So it's kind of like this big this big explosion in Austin happened and now it's kind of maybe just reverting a little bit back down, which is probably a good thing, but I'm curious if you've personally noticed that. Uh, I haven't really, I spend most of my time about 45 minutes North of Austin. That's where I'm yeah. at. And so I really, I'm not a city person at all. Uh, I, while I, I majority of the time spent in Austin is doing like Bitcoin specific things, which is maybe one time a week. Uh, it's great, but I, I try to avoid the city, to be honest. <laughs> no, that's good. I think Ryan and I are both the same and definitely me. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Austin seems like a cool place to be. Like we have so many, you know, mutual friends in the Bitcoin space, in the ranching space, in the health space that are down there. Sometimes I get FOMO, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I actually really love where I live and there's not a lot of people. So it's, uh, it's, well, you nice. got, you got no fear of people overpopulating your town. At least I, I, I see that all the day here where it's like, I start driving to get from my house to my girlfriend's house and I can see the traffic like starting to build up here. And I'm like, it's, that's interesting. You're, you're saying that people are moving away from Austin. Cause I was like, that's actually good. Cause my fear was like, I always thought about moving down there at some point, but I was like, now all these people are clouding in. So you're going to turn into like, Kind of like what Park City happened in Park City here in Utah. It's just like all just all these like really rich Californians like coming in and like I don't know. I don't want to say spewing their crap, but anyway, like I was <laughs> I, that, that was like my hesitation. But if they're if they're going back, then maybe maybe there's hope on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all fearful. Yeah, yeah, we're all fearful that. But Texas, Texas has its you know limitations or I guess True. things that people don't want to move there for, but. We'll see. So, Michael, starting, you know, building the groundwork for Lightning and Bitcoin. I'm curious. I maybe you have told me at one point, but I'm curious what your backstory is and and when you kind of got really hooked onto Bitcoin. I know it's very cliche, but I feel like we have to do it with all Bitcoiners pretty much. So, <laughs> en enlighten yeah. us, 
maybe it's a, a really good one. Yeah. So I'd say it's somewhat interesting. So I um, went to school for business, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I, I, I was always very, very health conscious. I wanted to be, oh, maybe we'll be a physical therapist or whatever. I, I settled on being a travel nurse. So I was an ICU travel nurse. Um, of all places I went, I had to go closest to the money printer that happened to be in California. So uh, I was up in Northern California, Reading area, taking travel assignments there and kind of bouncing around. Um, and uh, 2017 came around and I discovered Bitcoin. And then I discovered crypto <laughs> and then I fell down that hole and got wrecked. Uh, but ultimately it was very, it was very fascinating to me, this whole concept of, uh, you know, more self-sovereignty and, you know, freedom with your money and so on. Uh, I was backpacking in Patagonia and I was finishing up the Atlas Shrugged on audiobook. Like I, I'm an audiobook guy. Like I love to <laughs> just one foot in front of the, in front of the other on the trail and then read books. The Ayn Rand grind. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so that was a pretty, had a pretty profound experience on me. Yeah, it was definitely a grind, <laughs> but uh, got through it. And by the end of it, though, I was like, I, I truly feel like my philosophy on life had changed. Right. And uh, so it was a really cool experience. Fast forward a couple months uh, from that point, And I was then in Yosemite and I was on another backpacking trip and uh, was reading the Bitcoin standard. And that really cemented like Bitcoin. So it was a one-two punch, uh, Atlas Shrugged, Bitcoin Standard. And I was like fully down the rabbit hole. From that point, I was like, I got to do whatever I can to, you know, bring about this this bright orange future, right? Because I, I know the odds are ever against us in terms of the ability for people to understand it and get exposed to it. And, um, so yeah, I was, I was in Redding, California, started a meetup, uh, for the most point, for the most part, it was just my girlfriend and I that would show up. <laughs> so it was like date night, but people started trickling in. And then we, um, I started thinking like, how do we get more people involved without them having to understand Bitcoin and without me having to give them the, the whole spiel about Bitcoin. So we started, uh, teaming up with some local businesses to offer Bitcoin rewards whenever people paid with Bitcoin. And we, we got like some traction with that. So that inevitably led to Oshi, just getting people to use Bitcoin in various forms, you know, for commerce and to earn rewards. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what led to where we're at now. <laughs> so hundreds of businesses onboarded later and many millions of sets given out in rewards. Here we are. That's awesome. I actually, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I think, it's really interesting. I think the more you get into this sort of stuff, the more you learn about like Bitcoin cryptocurrency or even just like decentralization in general, like becoming more aware of your health and all these things, uh, sort of like um, just being more hyper-focused on like growing individual like success, I guess, and less reliance on systems that have been built as crutches. It's It's fascinating to sort of like view other people's psychology or, or, or maybe like even reflect on like your own patterns from your past and on the on your belief systems and stuff like that and how they change. And because if, if we look at just sort of like the centralized systems, like centralized finance and all this stuff, um, we're looking at this as like, okay, we need to hedge our bets and sort of, they all, I mean, we hear the, I mean, in finance, you hear diversify all the time. I don't think most people understand like the concept behind that. But when you think about it in a lot of ways, when you diversify, a lot of your finances in a in the conventional setting, it's still all held up in the same system. So it, that's why I think it's actually more valuable to sort of look like you've done outside into Bitcoin and things like this, because truly you're still stuck in that centralized paradigm. But it, it's sort of like that, not necessarily a complete false sense of comfort because there is diversification in there, but it's not as diversified as I think you think it is. Like everything could still be like pulled out from under you. And we see that, you know, we saw that in like 08 and we saw that like all, we see it all the time. It happens all the time and stuff. And we're seeing it in just the, the banking system over the last year or so, you know, sort of like the two-legged stool that we thought had three legs and sort of, yeah. it, it's really, it's really interesting to just sort of see how people work their way around that and see who, I guess, 
sees the flaws in it and, and those who don't. And I guess sort of where I was leading with this sort of uh, meandering was, when did that become apparent to you? And why is that important for people to think about? And also actually with the utilization of Bitcoin and people using it, like how have you, where have you seen successes in that? And how do we get more people to like start using Bitcoin? Like how do we incentivize that? Because me and Tristan talk about this a lot, like going to farmer's markets, like Tristan's got a really cool sign. So it says like something like Bitcoin, like we accept Bitcoin first or something like that. I think it's really funny. Um, but most people, I like, don't even like think about that at all. And like, it's still, I don't see too much like exchange on the day to day. So how do we make that more, more popular? I guess I'm sure we're headed in that direction, but I'd love to know what kind of how you're doing that with your business and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a really great question. Um, we'll kind of go on a bit of a journey here, how we started. So we started by, you know, look, no one's going to pay in Bitcoin if they don't have anywhere to spend it. Okay. So it really started with a lot of different education, both learning ourselves through experience, uh, how to onboard these businesses to start accepting Bitcoin and all the tools that were available and how to pick the best tools for the right business. And so, yeah, we did that rather successfully. It turned out we, we didn't have a whole lot of um, problems getting businesses to accept it. The major problem was getting people to spend it, right? Especially if they don't understand what it is or why it exists uh, or what money is. Uh, so ultimately, we tried to incentivize people to, to spend Bitcoin by offering like, you know, rewards or discounts if they pay in Bitcoin. And that's all, you know, fine and well. But even so, changing human behavior is a bitch. I mean, it, it's it's very, very, very difficult to do. And frankly, people just really shouldn't be in the business of that. The 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 behavior that you're trying to change is to just kind of speak for itself. And it's like the path that all roads lead to, right? And so um, what we started doing instead is we started finding more and more ways for businesses to incentivize customers uh, just to come to their business by offering Bitcoin rewards instead. Like, So not even having to accept it. Just simply, you go to this farmer's market you pay for something in dollars through their square point of sale and the customer receives Bitcoin rewards. So why is that important? Um, it's important because most people don't have a clue what Bitcoin is. And unless it's practically thrown at them, they might not have a clue what it is for quite some time. Or they'll hear about it once again, like in the next bull run, and they might buy some, but they never really sticks. Uh, maybe they actually you know, bought some and by the time they actually bought some, maybe the price had come down and they have a you know, bad taste in their mouth. So what we started doing is actually getting, giving customers Bitcoin rewards almost as easy as they receive coffee points. People have no issue getting coffee points or stars or this and that. Those are kind of like the, uh, those are the, those are the shit coins no one really talks about, right? Those are the, those are the small business issued shit coins. Okay. Um, so give them sats instead. They're going to earn them for free. They're more appealing. They're more valuable. They can be transferable, exchangeable anywhere on earth effectively. Um, and it gets people talking. So we went from trying to get businesses to accept it, which was the easy part, to really focusing heavy on trying to get cons consumers just to like get their first sats. Uh, because we believe that the more sats people earn, the more they're going to be willing to spend. And so without changing their behavior in terms of like they're used to earning rewards that they may or may not give a shit about, and they're used to spending the rewards that they may or may not give a shit about. So why not just give them Bitcoin rewards that they may or may not give a shit about, but over time, I think they're going to use them. I think they're going to spend them. And we're already seeing that. So that's kind of the, the, the path we're taking now. And uh, it's, it's a lot better <laughs> so far. Yeah, I think I think it's a good uh direction you guys are heading because to me yeah like the earlier Oshi stuff it, it's awesome having a marketplace for people to spend their bitcoin at and bitcoiners themselves um at least the good ones like the you know ones who are kind of gung-ho about you know building the circular economy are yeah they're happy to spend bitcoin if it's you know an exchange of value for value if it's a high quality product but mm -hmm. Outside of that, it's like really hard. And even I would say like the average person 
like there's there's bitcoiners and then there's like the average person who owns bitcoin and then there's no coiners and the average person who owns bitcoin never wants to get rid of their bitcoin like they're still in that hodl only mindset because they're not really a part of this greater community that's trying to you know bring this change um to the mainstream so i think it's smart i think you know just giving people some bitcoin and they're like well what am i going to do with like ten dollars worth of bitcoin you know it's not enough to really be excited about saving or, or or put in cold storage so it's almost incentivizing them to have this you know dust of, of bitcoin just enough to where they can just maybe build it up they get a hundred bucks they get 50 bucks and then they could spend it at one of these merchants so i i think it's a good idea when did you kind of realize that that because that's happened this shift in osha has kind of happened in the past year right Correct. Yeah, we we realized it just through overall like transaction volume of the merchants that we onboarded, and we realized rather quickly, like you like you said, and and rather unsurprisingly in a way too. You know, like we're always going to throw things against the wall, see if it sticks, right? And that's what you do in startup startup world. And um, we realized that yeah, probably about ninety five percent of quote unquote Bitcoiners don't want to spend their Bitcoin, and it's not up to me whether or not people want to spend their Bitcoin. We can't rely on this like altruism or like, you know, uh, this, this community effort. We're like, yeah, you're not a Bitcoiner unless you, we can't rely on that. That's, it's not feasible. Right. So everyone's going to do what, whatever they're going to do. Um, and most people aren't going to spend their Bitcoin. So we realized that pretty quick, uh, but we definitely realized the benefits of attracting consumers to Bitcoin businesses and Bitcoin businesses appreciated that. Um, but I think there's a far greater benefit to, you know, kind of open people's minds up to Bitcoin as seamlessly as possible while providing the smallest of businesses or even larger businesses access to a better reward system, uh, where, like you mentioned, dust, like most loyalty points are just dust, like they're typically not redeemed. They're unredeemable because they don't earn enough over a particular period of time to actually, you know, get something with them. They're just dust, right? Well, Bitcoin uh, rewards, you can issue and redeem like a Satoshi <laughs> if you want, right? So that's really cool. Uh, and, and it can be redeemable at a variety of different businesses too, which is also really interesting. Uh, so instead of you know, these tiny businesses having to compete with like Starbucks, Starbucks rewards program that everybody knows what Starbucks is and it's redeemable at thousands of different locations. Now you can kind of have these, you know, local community businesses or farmers markets, almost like join forces for this open loyalty network and um, incentivize people to use a point system that's actually valuable and worthwhile for their customers. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point because that's actually a pretty good angle to take because like you said, I think, and we kind of talked about this pre-show, just me and you, the way most people, the majority of people that view Bitcoin, and this is the only way that I ever viewed it prior to maybe like the last six months was you buy Bitcoin as sort of a stock because you're still looking at the problem was people, I was still looking at it in terms of dollars. And I think that's where most people that are kind of into it, but not maybe getting like reading the books or getting into all the literature. They they're still looking at it as like, okay, Bitcoin's worth X amount of dollars, worth twenty five thousand dollars or whatever it is right now. And there, because I because I looked at it like this for a long time, where like I bought in literally at the worst time I thought I could ever buy in. It was like sixty five or whatever the high, the last super high was. I bought in like right before then, so I saw it go up like a little bit, and I was like, yeah, sweet. And then like lost all of it, they've been super negative and then started buying more as I realized like, oh, I should probably do this. But it's it's getting people to use actual Bitcoin and not use it in terms of dollars that I think is sort of like the big me mental shift that a lot of people have to make. And I think actually having a reward system like, like Starbucks is a good incentive because that's already a system that exists, like you said, that people can kind of grasp their mind around and it, people enjoy it's funny you mentioned that because like I, I would use stuff like that all the time, like with Starbucks, like in the recent past, like all the time. And you're right. Most people's like stuff is completely like useless because it never gets to the point of redeemability. But in this case, it's like, 
redeemable like right away and people can get something out of it. So I think that's good. I think that's actually uh, a way that we can keep moving people forward. Uh, I kind of wanted to ask you like what roadblocks you've seen uh, moving into the, in this direction or have you seen it yet um, from before? Because I think, like you said, inevitably things are moving all in the right direction. It's just going to take time and, and patience on probably our end for more people to start grasping, like exchanging Bitcoin and, and stuff like that, because we could like get into proof of work and stuff a little bit, but I feel like we've talked about that so much on the show, but it sort of just hit me recently <laughs> with this idea of like, I'll be talking to my friends about Bitcoin. And actually I was doing this early in the car. We were driving to a bank so that they could deposit their like cash they just got from a job. And I was like, you know, you should think about like putting some money into Bitcoin and stuff because that money you're holding right there doesn't really have anything holding it up at the end of the day. Like, there's not much proof of work left in like fiat right now. And so I went down this rabbit hole with them and I was like, you know, I'm just going to send you this podcast we're going to do today when we're done. Cause like, you'll, you'll get it a little <laughs> more, but like what roadblocks have you seen? Like trying to incentivize people in this direction. Um, and also like, what have you seen on the, on the positive side and areas you want to like push a little further with it? Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah. So in terms of roadblocks, I would say it's it's still relatively difficult to market a product like this whenever you're marketing it as like a Bitcoin product, right? So the cool thing though, is that I could just, you know, somebody makes a purchase on a website and then they get sats and they probably don't know what sats even are, but they're like, oh yeah, loyalty program. I get it. Like you said, it's relatable. They're like, oh yeah, I know how this works. Like, yeah, I get my sats. Um, so that, that's the beauty of it. First of all, like they don't even have to know what it is. It doesn't matter. They, they know that experience already. Um, but whenever you start marketing it, say to businesses as like, cause that is the, the beauty of it as well. Like, it's a Bitcoin-based loyalty system, loyalty program. It is superior in many ways, right? Uh, because you can't just be like, oh, Bitcoin's worth this. It's like, yeah, well, so are your coffee points. Like, so you can't make that argument anymore. It's like, if you actually think Bitcoin's worth it, well, worthless, then so are your coffee points. And we can all agree, right? So that part's easy. But I would say the biggest roadblock right now that we're working through, working on is like, how do you market this? <laughs> because some business owners will be like, oh, Bitcoin, I don't know. Um, so we're, we're trying really hard to make it to where we can convey this value without getting in too much into the details of the Bitcoin aspect of things. Because for some people, that is a turnoff. Uh, you know, it's like, well, I mean, is, I don't want Bitcoin to be associated with, you know, my business because like, Bitcoin is like for criminals or it's for, you know, people boiling the oceans and all this stuff. And my response to that oftentimes is like, well, I mean, are you a criminal? I was like, no. Well, if your customers earn Bitcoin rewards, are they criminals? No. It's like, well, if you like Bitcoin, then maybe you should start rewarding your customers and be the change you want to see because it's not any of those things, right? Like, so I think um, it allows you know, people away, like you said, to interface with Bitcoin in ways they would never would have previously and really get it permeated into, into society. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest roadblock is kind of crossing that chasm of it's a Bitcoin infused loyalty program. Uh, I wish I could just go on, you know, start doing Facebook ads or whatever, and just be like Bitcoin loyalty programs. People would be like, wow, that's so cool. But it's not there yet during a bear market, right? So that's a big thing that, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a of a problem we're working through right now. Yeah, and that's it's it's so interesting because you know a lot of people think we're so or they're late they're late to Bitcoin or you know it's kind of past its its peak or whatever mainstream perspective you wanna you wanna hold on to, but it's it's really true that there's a big difference in, you know, the bear and and the bull markets of of Bitcoin in terms of how much people care about this stuff. And to me, it's like a giant opportunity. And and I was talking with you, Michael, the other week about how I used to use uh Lolly like a lot. And if you don't know what Lolly is, it's like this Chrome extension 
that you can install similar to Honey. Honey was like a very popular Chrome extension that would just like find you coupons or have random agreements with all the major retailers and you'd get like one to three to four or five percent back. But Lolly was in Bitcoin and, you know, booking.com, Walmart was on there for a while. So it was like whenever I had to buy like random stuff, I would just try and deliberately do it through there um, because I knew if I got 5% Bitcoin back in 2019 when I started using it, you know, that's just going to appreciate over time. So now it's like same thing, you know, we're at 25K pre-having any Bitcoin you get on like a 2% back, 5% back purchase could quadruple easily within two years. And then maybe you got pretty much all of your payment of what you bought in the product in Bitcoin, which is like fascinating from the consumer perspective. So I think people should be way more on board with this. But of course, it is a bear market. And what I like about what you're doing compared to Lolly is obviously Lolly is just supporting the Walmarts, the Booking.coms, like the big the big companies, which is cool if you're you know need to buy stuff like that. But really, it provides an opportunity through Oshi for small companies, small startups, small homemade high quality brands to make a name for themselves. And like you said they're now more attractive to a whole space of Bitcoiners who are pretty you know, willing to support high quality products. And then over time, that might just open it up for them. So it's really exciting to see. And, and you talk about this kind of local, localized like web kind of get rewards at, you know, Alpa Bar and spend it at Ben Peony Lane for a bottle of wine or something like that, which is which is cool. And and these guys that checked it out, you know, they're offering pretty substantial Bitcoin back percentages just to incentivize people. Um, but I have a question just on the functionality. So um, is this all still being run through like Lightning? And maybe we should just talk about Lightning, the Lightning Network, a little bit because I don't think we have on this show too much. And uh, you have a really well first knowledge of of the lightning network of course and it might just be good to do a lightning network 101 here but yeah, yeah. i'm curious yeah yeah um i was gonna respond to to something you said for oh so f- first and then we'll jump into lightning uh lolly is really cool um lolly and and those business models like you said they're they're proven like honey like people love deals they love getting cash back it's a lot better to receive something from your purchase than it is like just get a discount there's something psychological there that just gets people fired up um it doesn't necessarily make sense but a lot of stuff just doesn't make sense you know like people want to get their product and get something bonus as opposed to just like save money right the cash back systems on your on your debit or on your credit cards are a prime example of that. People will literally run up their card just to get the bonus, right? Um, but your your observation about like how Oshi is different was is spot on. Um, we cater to the small and medium sized businesses. Like they don't have the option to go, hey, like Chase Bank on your credit cards that you issue. Whenever people spend it in my business, can they get like five percent back instead? This, that doesn't happen. Now, like Target and you know Best Buy or Walmart, they have all those options, all those tools at their disposal that the small businesses just don't have. Um, but you know how Lolly works is like you said, you have the browser extension. You just get directed to that business's website and complete the purchase there. So with our plugins uh, that we have for Shopify, WooCommerce, Square, we have Stripe, and we'll have more. Uh, you know, Clover. We'll, we'll do more. Um, we send these customers to these businesses. And they can earn Bitcoin rewards, whatever the business wants to do. Referral bonuses, affiliate commissions, you know, follow on social media, earn more sats, all these different things that you know, businesses just haven't really had access to, these small businesses. And, and we can get them set up for that in just a couple minutes. So I think it opens the doors to a lot for, for these businesses. And um, getting into the lightning aspect, that is something that really enables this. Um, in a new way. So you have the Bitcoin network. Blocks are confirmed on average every 10 minutes. Uh, So that means that on average, transactions are confirmed every 10 minutes. So whenever you send a transaction to somebody, it's going to take about 10 minutes 
um, to be confirmed. And then the, the person you send it to, the recipient, gets their Bitcoin. Um, the problem with that with commerce is that it's not very good user experience to have to wait for 10 minutes whenever you're like buying a coffee or something. And of course, the fees can be higher. You know, maybe you buy a $3 coffee and, uh, you know, there's a 30 cent fee. Okay, that's 10%. Like Visa and MasterCard and the payment processors of the world today are charging like 3%. So why would I use Bitcoin? What's the merchant's incentive there? And so on. Um, There are some incentives there, but Lightning Network solves this problem by making it to where you can send and receive money, Bitcoin, instantly and nearly for free. So settlement is instant. So I can send you $3 for that coffee and Bitcoin and uh, it costs you know a fraction of a cent and you receive it instantly. Final settlement, no chargebacks, right? And so one way to look at this that I like to talk about just because it's a, a simple kind of generalization here is that ACH transfers, wires are kind of like Bitcoin's blockchain, except it's like Bitcoin is, you know, borderless and permissionless and all the amazing things about Bitcoin, right? But that's kind of a, in terms of the speed and like the settlement, right? Um, Whereas Lightning is kind of like the debit and credit cards of the traditional banking system, right? Where the settlement appears to happen instantly with debit and credit cards. It really doesn't. It still takes like, you know, 30 to 90 days, right, to, for it to actually settle or to get your money from these payment providers, whereas, you know, the benefit of Lightning is it happens instantly and it's far cheaper. But just to kind of give people an idea, um, and I mean, we could go deeper onto the Lightning stuff as well, but what, what Lightning enables now are these different experiences for businesses without having to be some big corporation to like maybe give like fractions of a cent if your customers engage with you in a certain way, like I, uh, microtransactions, like it's a cool concept. Like the whole, the word I feel like is a little buzzwordy to me personally, but just the, the ability for a merchant to send their customer, let's say like $1 in affiliate commission and Bitcoin rewards is just something that they haven't had the ability to do. Right. Unless you want to give them like $1 in store credit at Walmart or $1 in store credit at your own business. But then it, it's not a very appealing affiliate program if that's the case, right? Like, oh yeah, you can just spend more money at my business for referring customers. Well, how about you can like, I'll actually pay you out. You know, so that's something that Lightning enables. Um, it's pretty fascinating. And uh, just to, well, let's zoom in a little bit more on that. So for customers, you know, and people in the United States, let's say the developed world, um, it's just a fun thing. It's like a stock. Right. So, but for people uh, in other parts of the world that don't have access to banking services, uh, you know, they don't have a bank, um, they don't have access to debit or credit cards in that case, right? They can't take any payments online whatsoever. Using something like Bitcoin and particularly the Lightning Network for commerce, they now have access to that for the first time ever. That's really crazy if you think about it. Like, they can now accept you know, digital payments for the first time ever. They can now send and receive money globally instantly and near free for the first time ever. So remittances, you know, that's why companies like, you have companies like Strike that are allowing somebody to send effectively US dollars and then turn it into like pesos instantly. And so the mechanism of this is effectively, you know, Bitcoin is exchanged for all currencies all over the world, 24 7, 365. It's never closed. So I can take a dollar in US dollars. Imagine trying to send that to somebody in Mexico, $1. Like, how much is that going to cost you? How many days is it going to take? What are all the regulations? You know, forget about the fact that the person you're sending it to has they actually have a bank account or something, right? Or they have to drive to some place to redeem that dollar, right? With Lightning, you can effectively say, all right, I want to send this $1. And then there are services that'll exchange that dollar for Bitcoin immediately. And then turn it back into pesos somewhere else. Exchange that Bitcoin for pesos and receive the pesos in someone's bank account there. So, uh, or bank account or just app wallet now, right? Uh, So that's why people are 
talking about Lightning not just as like, you know, Bitcoin as money, but as a settlement network, just a settlement layer that can settle fiat currencies if you want. Now, that's cool. I mean, like the the fact that it can be, I mean, minus the instantaneous thing, like no matter what, everyone's going to love that because that's just what everyone loves anyway. It's like, how can we get it faster? Um, that's cool. But what's, what I love about this type of stuff is that it, it can be universal. And so it kind of solve like, like you said, you can like convert it back into fiat pesos or whatever you want, if that's the way you want to do it. But like, if you just have Bitcoin, you just have Bitcoin and then it can, that can be universal. And I think that just solves like so many of the current issues that in some ways I feel like are put there to make it problematic anyways, or annoying to work with. And then you're stuck using whatever that people want you to use or whatever like that. So it's sort of like that, that extra freedom aspect that I think is really, really neat. And I, as long as it keeps going in the direction that I think it's going to go, then I think it's going to, I mean, like you said, it's allowing people that have basically had had no access suddenly now have access to money they wouldn't have had because like, like you said they don't have a bank account they don't have xyz now they can have this and it's all universal and i think that's what's really neat about it because there's not anything else that's like quite like it and also as um what's the opposite of influence not influence is like the word i'm looking for because it's um, yeah yeah I'm you you get you I'm, get what I'm trying to yeah. say. The people it's get incorruptible. There's yeah. it's totally incorruptible, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's it's just sort of like that thing of just like continuing to like try and convince I don't even know if it's convincing people because like the best way to get people on board is to show them success with it. And as long as you keep doing what you're doing and people see like whether that price is happiness that, that people see you're like they enjoy like the product or the service that you're providing, like more people will come on board because you see like, I and mean, this is how you got into it in the first place. So you see the frustration that people have with the centralized like way things are. And so it's only a matter of time. Like if you think about it, it's like all the chips are going to be moving into our, man, I'm really mixing analogies. I was going to say the chips are moving into our court, but that's balls <laughs> moving into the court. You can tell I didn't really play sports when I talk about these things, <laughs> but, um, but, but it's just like, you can constantly like it feels like things are put in the way of of bitcoin getting to where we want it to go whether that's through legislation or uh the cbdc or all this stuff that you hear about going on but the more they kind of push against it i feel like the more it's almost surely going to happen because people are just going to get so much more fed up with the way right. you get pushed and i think you saw that over the last couple of years as you transition from uh, being an ICU like travel nurse into this, and I'm sure that's sort of like, um, it, it's just it's just fascinating. So it, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, I feel like the whole world would be better off if they would just adopt these principles and start embracing them. Like eventually, they're either going to have to, or some shit's going to go down. So it, it's just like it's an interesting psychology because I can already see where things are going to go on like the fifty thousand foot view. I don't know how it's going to get there but I can kind of see where hopefully it's going to end up. And so it's just a fascinating, like kind of put it point of view, but I guess they're like, it's having conversations like this that I think are important because it's, that's what gets people interested. But it's like, how do you get like continue to get people interested, like during the bear market and stuff like that? Because I think the issue I see with, with, and we kind of talked about this earlier is that, people have a lower interest now on a wider point of view because it's not doing as well. If you look at it from a wider view, it's still like the best quote stock that's ever happened in like the last 20 years. Um, even at the low point right now, like what was it in like 2000, early 2010s, like it's like crazy X that amount. And it's, it's like, how do you capture that when it goes back into a bull? Because once it does, it's like you're going to get the same sort of issue where people are going to view it as this pump and dump sort of thing where they're going to ride it, try to get out before it goes down again. And it's like how right. you maintain the interest because 99% of people are not going to get into it as deep. And you you guys are already in deeper than I am, right? So it's like, it's hard to get to where I'm at. How do you get people to like just where I'm at other than viewing it still at fiat? You know what I mean? And that's going to yeah. come through what you're doing through exchangement, 
and like building programs that people can kind of relate to and sort of shifting that frame of thought. But it's just sort yeah. of like, it's just a big endeavor. And so when I think about it as positive as I am, it's like, man, there's so much work to be done to yeah. continue to move that forward, you know? Well, yeah, I think that, I think that some, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but a lot of Bitcoin companies, they are so principled and rightfully so, because that's how this movement really like began. And they build products only for Bitcoiners. And that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, the, the key is, can you keep interest in, you know, not only Bitcoiners, but people who aren't um, during the bear market, right? Whenever people don't care anymore. In fact, maybe people are totally turned off to the idea, right? And so I think we need to think more and more about how to create products that are exciting during a bull market and interesting during a bear market. Like, you know, so that's why we went the loyalty route. It's like people were in the rewards. Those rewards are going to be worth a lot more during a bull market. And they're still going to earn rewards during the bear market. And it's cool. They're like, yeah, we're good. So it's like a sly roundabout way to get people involved before they even know what's going on. And once they do know what's going on, they're going to be totally stoked about it. But again, hey, you know, once it starts going down, yeah, sure, I'll take some free sats. No problem. And and I think... Uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of uh, who who was it? Henry Ford. He was like, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people don't know what they want um, in in some ways because innovation comes at you fast. You know, the printing press worked pretty damn well for a while and it was pretty revolutionary for a while. Uh, right now, that's like our monetary network is like the printing press of money and it works okay and people can control it. They can control exactly how it works and there's all these middlemen, the, the presses. Uh, but now we have um, the internet, right? So we have the internet of money and uh, a lot of crazy things are going to come from that. It's it's really exciting. We're still in like this this printing press of money right now, but Bitcoin's changing that. So, yeah, I guess going back to Lightning and and things like that, like how like how ready even are we is the real question. And I think that's obviously not that ready is probably the answer. And and what I'm always curious about is you know Lightning is is a great solution, and in like currently. Um, 12 years or what, 13, 14 years post inception. But like, what does this all look like? What does it need to look like going forward? You know, say 20 years from now, because Lightning does have a lot of challenges and layer three networks, you know, nobody's going to be transacting on the main chain maybe in 40 years. And unless it's like a monumental size of uh, Bitcoin being transferred. So I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Like, what do you see as the biggest like sticking points with Lightning? What do you see as, you know, the problems that need to be solved to really have mainstream adoption on a layer two network like this? I think um, what's going to happen is, you know, there's going to be a time when, let's say, Square turns on Lightning payments. Okay. Now that's like, I don't know when that's going to be, but maybe I, maybe I should have finished with that. But what I'm getting at there is that even if they were to turn on lighting payments right now, no one would use it. <laughs> Microscopic use. Like cash app payments are like on Square. Like you can scan with your cash app and pay. Like I don't think hardly anybody uses it. I mean, certainly people use it, but I don't think it's used very often. People just use their card, right? And they could just as easily just use their cash app, right? A lot of people have cash app. They just don't. Um, so turning on a lightning payment thing there probably wouldn't do much. Um, but where I think it's going is over time, uh, big businesses, common household names are going to start implementing Lightning and Bitcoin functionality within these applications, right? They're going to start, uh, whether it's you can earn Bitcoin for doing this or you now you can buy Bitcoin through us, like let's say Venmo, PayPal. They've already started to do all this. It's going to slowly increase, like because it is wise for these businesses to do this. Um, but it's let's say I wouldn't say unwise, but it's a bit too early for them to just go like gung ho into it whenever interest is like so low. So this next 
bull run, let's say, like this next cycle and, and whatever, the next five years, I think we're going to see an influx of businesses integrating it, just tiptoeing in. And I think that's how it's going to get really sticky. Um, we, we oftentimes focus on like, oh, we're building products like a Bitcoin only product for Bitcoiners. I think the most dramatic change and kind of adoption is going to happen by traditional companies putting Bitcoin in there, <laughs> like very small and iterative steps, um, which will inevitably feed into these like Bitcoin focused builders and companies. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that part's inevitable. You know, we're, we're seeing companies that have integrated it in, we're hearing rumors of other companies integrating it in, or at least being ready to integrate it in whenever they feel consumer demand is ready. And, you know, is, is their appetite is large enough for it. Or let's just say whenever more and more people are like stoked about it again, <laughs> number go up, starts doing its thing and, you know, they'll try it again. You know, you had like Tesla, oh, we're accepting Bitcoin as payment. Like that moved the needle a lot, I think, even though very few people probably paid with Bitcoin, just hearing about it. How many people just heard about Bitcoin through Elon Musk the last cycle? Like one could even say like, how much is Elon Musk responsible for some of the price increases uh, in in Bitcoin? Like just putting it out there. Like I think we underestimate how big that is, and I think a lot of people. Um, and it's reasonable in a way. Like ah, oh, we don't need them, or we don't need this, or we don't need that. Mass adoption. Who cares? That's fine. Like I get it, but people are going to start adopting it, <laughs> whether we like it or not, and. Uh, they're probably going to start adopting it through companies that really are only doing it because it moves their company's you know bottom line because they want to plug into the hype. So um, I'm kind of in the camp that like more people using Bitcoin in any way is a positive as long as over time they're going to get shepherded into like the direction of like yeah do it in a more self sovereign way and make sure you hold your own keys and I think that's that part's inevitable as well. Um. In the meantime, you know, just get as many people thinking about it as possible. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. Yeah, I think it's like the slow and steady steps. It's it's just, it's going to always take longer than people anticipate, which is a good thing because clearly it's not ready. You know, technology advances just you know, fast enough to catch up with adoption. It's it's kind of like, you know, your battery of your cell phone or or just the functionality of anything, right? It's like, it's just good enough. And then the next one comes out and it's, you know, it's better. And they could make probably a better one, but that's by design. But in general, it's going to take time. And we've talked to a lot of folks on this podcast about, you know, just Bitcoin adoption and the mainstream. And, you know, we're talking about a multi-generational effort. So it's probably gonna, you know, be some time before anything is close to perfect in terms of like second layer payment system. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, right now, the biggest mover of the needle is kind of these, you know, hype trains and BlackRock and Elon Musk and and just the price increases post having in the bull run. And yeah, you have to take that um, at face value. It is a good thing. But, you know, you're going to get, say, 100 people on board and the next bear, 92 of them might be gone. But eight of them stayed and maybe five of those kind of got really, really hung up on Bitcoin and and are now free thinking. Maybe they're taking control of their health um, and just want to be more sovereign individuals. So. Yeah. It's it's just the reality of it, and it's cool. So I'm curious, kind of, how has Bitcoin shaped, and with your your background in in nursing, traveling around, how has Bitcoin maybe changed your mindset of of everything you do on a daily basis in terms of being more sovereign and being more decentralized? Yeah, learning about money, 
just completely changed my worldview or it made me realize how warped my worldview was. And it really got you thinking much more about first principles. And uh, it's like, man, how much is tied to money? Like literally everything in civilization is tied to money and value. And, and so it's like, oh, so maybe if you can fix the money, so many of these problems will be, will be fixed, you know, fix the money, fix the world, or the incentives will align so much better that bad players will be punished and good players will be rewarded um, without that corruption. And health is almost the same in a way. I mean, it's like much like we are deteriorating, you know, or I say we uh, central banks of the world are deteriorating people's wealth through inflation. Um, so too are people's health being deteriorated through like soil degradation, <laughs> you know, like all of these industrial practices of, of farming or, you know, blaming beef for things or that's quite literally the thing that's going to regenerate the soil, right? This regenerative agriculture movement. So, um, you know, if your soil is depleted, then you're not getting much nutrition. And um, I, there's so much that we don't understand or fully understand about nutrition, or perhaps uh, we understand more than we think. We just can't explain it. Like, look, I mean, if it didn't exist a hundred years ago, just don't fucking eat it. Like if, if, if people weren't doing this a hundred years ago, naturally, you probably should think twice before you do it. It's almost, it's like that bell curve meme. It's like, just do what feels natural and maybe that's the way to be. And so too, like the money, like stop overcomplicating it with all these different, you know, crazy financial games. It's like, just have the currency be <laughs> fixed supply or unchangeable by a small number of people. And have the food supply, you know, get your food from a sustainable source as well, like locally. Like, what are you eating and, and what are you using to purchase what you're eating? Like, that is the foundation of civilization. So um, that really completely changed my worldview and it got me thinking about all sorts of things like that, right? Like, if we go back to first principles, what are the effects of, of this? Um, no, that's really good. That's actually a really good statement because I was thinking about like you're sort of mentioning like how everything kind of goes back to on some level, some something to do with money. And I was thinking about if anyone that really gets into the space that we've been talking about today, you either you'll find it either through your health journey, you'll find Bitcoin at some point, or if you get into Bitcoin, you'll eventually find you're changing stuff about your health at some point. Because it just seems like all these sort of areas just sort of intermix. And that's because it does go back to money and also mindset and the idea of like community and how we want to live our lives. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone like wants freedom. Everyone wants, or they think they do anyways. I actually think a lot of people think they want something, but they actually really don't want that. They just want to be told what to do or whatever. But, but on a, on a face value, like everyone wants these things. Everyone wants to be in control. And this stuff allows you to see what can get you there. And that's what I think is so cool about Bitcoin and then like this evolution into health and all this stuff. And it's the same with all the, all the systems. Like I was thinking when you were talking about that, I was thinking about, um, I was actually thinking about me doing taxes this year because I just I just filed for last year because I had to file an extension. Um, and I was finally I was just like, there's so much just jargon in this crap and they just do it to make you feel like you're confused. But if you know what you're reading, you actually know what to look for. And it's actually pretty simple to fill this stuff out. But most people just like get caught up in all this crap because they try to make it confusing. That's the same in the medical system with the way insurances work or the way stuff at hospitals are organized. And everything is sort of built in a way to confuse you, to make you not want to seek something out because it, they make it seem too complicated. But if you look at, the fun, at it fundamentally, like you were saying, at face value, like everything sort of comes into place when you have your value system there and you know what you want. And yeah. I think it goes back to like really deciding like for you back in, uh, in 2020 uh, in 21 or 22, when you said you ended your ICU work and stuff like that, or started like seeing how messed up stuff was. It's once you start seeing things for what they are and you accept that and you begin to try and create a vision of ways you want yourself to be or the world you want to live in, you can kind of manifest that for yourself. Um, but none yeah. of this comes like you didn't just wake up one day and was like, okay, well, I'm going to change this and I'm going to start 
this thing and it's going to be successful. Like there's a lot of work behind what you've done that I think people don't see in this conversation. And that's a lot of what I think people need to understand is like, no one's going to get to where they want without a lot of ruthless consistency and, and drive and a lot of mistakes and stuff like that. But it goes back to fundamentally having that, that strong belief in, in what you want to do and having that vision, you know what I mean? And I think you can kind of speak to that too. Well, it's kind of like, going back to first principles, it's like, well, what good is generational wealth without generational health? Um, why is the financial system so freaking confusing? Then you have to rely on all these other people to tell you how to do it. Why do you have to be like a professional stockbroker mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can retire one day? Like, why do you have to play these games? There's a time when it was much more simple. Same goes for, for health. Like, why do you have to know what all these different medications are and all these, oh, this is your blood pressure and this and your cholesterol and all this. It's because like, it's just as confusing because much like we've been sucked into like this bullshit financial scheme from birth, we've been sucked into this bullshit food scheme from birth, right? And like, we're a part of that system. And so like being, being an ICU nurse, like I dealt with people that were having just the absolute worst time of their entire lives. Like if you're in that hospital bed, like you have no freedom, like your freedom is gone. You are at the mercy literally of like the hospital or of your condition, like your freedom is gone. So generational health, generational wealth, but also like your freedom. And without either one of those things, you have no freedoms. And it's like a, it's like a spectrum. (laughs) The, The worse your health is, your freedom's gone. The worse your wealth is, your freedom's gone. You have nothing. So if you can have both of those, you are free. Now, the, the sinister thing is that we have most people have to play the game of our traditional financial system to get wealth to be free, and most people have to play the game of like the healthcare system to get free, or at least the feeling of free. Um, but people are just like tethered and strung along, you know. I, so going back, like these people were having the absolute worst time of their lives. Their families were having the worst time of their lives. Um, it cost them an obscene amount of money. Right. Um, and the problems weren't being fixed. Like, I guess you could say, um, let's see, people, what we were doing in the hospital is we weren't helping people live longer. We were helping people die slower. Like there was no life for living in that. Like it was a lifetime of, let's say, poor dietary choices. Let's say it's not even their fault. Let's blame the food pyramid, <laughs> the, the industrial food complex, like apparatus, right? Let's blame that. But like they are a cog in that wheel. And, you know, the, the later stages in their life where these people could maybe like impact their family for generations with knowledge and and participate in family gatherings, their energy and their mind share is focused on just like not dying or dying slower because of heart disease or diabetes or all of the above or whatever, right? Like, or people are just living in fear from let's say like COVID back, you know, a while back. Whenever, if you go back to first principles, it's literally just their health and lifestyle choices are what led to that fear to begin with. Right. Um, and it just winds up being this horrible like scenario, right. Where you have no freedom, you have no health, you have no wealth. Uh, it's insane. So yeah, that's, I just want to go on that rant for a second. Cause, and, and eventually I realized like, I'm not helping anything here. Like I'm helping people in that very moment. Um, they're going to be back and there's nothing that's being fixed here. I'm a cog in the wheel, just like they're a cog in the wheel. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. And I I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I think that realization is like extremely powerful because it is, it's sad. Right. And it goes back to a lot of the mindset issues with free handouts and just offering a helping hand. You want to help these people who are sick but actually, if you help them, you're probably doing them a disservice. And if you help them in the immediate, they're just going to go back home and keep doing the same things. And, and they're ultimately stuck in this negative feedback loop for life yeah. unless you really educate them on the early stage and try and motivate them to care about, you know, taking responsibility for their health, I guess, in this example. But it's so true. It's really sad 
And I think it is a byproduct of a fiat monetary system um, having, you know, epidemics of chronic disease and, you know, just this fake food nonsense and, and the tarnishing of very easy and effective um, health hacks or whatever you want to call them, like going out in the sun, literally just eating real food and, and getting your feet on the earth, being in nature. But it's cool when you look at things through this lens of personal responsibility, individual sovereignty, because then you can't unsee any of this. And you're like, wow, this is all connected. This is all a reason due to centralized systems and a broken monetary system. But now you have to play, well, you, you can take the simple route and, you know, just like you're saying, don't eat anything that didn't exist 100, 150 years ago. Um, kind of just go outside and mitigate stress, move, lift weights, what have you, which is a very effective way to do things. And you don't need all the markers under the sun. But, you know, if, if you really want to heal or maybe you have to heal, you kind of have to be a part-time nutritionist, a part-time yep. um, researcher. And then, yeah, you're playing part-time investor as well. So what has this led to for a lot of people? Um, the quality of their actual job has gone down. You know, they, they don't do a good job. Like if you're having to play all these part-time roles, your actual job, you're not going to be doing that good of a job because you are split between all these different things. And I, I feel like that personally quite a bit, mm -hmm. but obviously I'm in a weird transitional period here and I'm passionate about these things. Uh, I'm, you know, diving deeper into them, but I think that's the downside of society um, at a high level. So it's, uh, it's interesting to think about. I'm excited really about the connection that people are making with health and with Bitcoin and, and mm. personal sovereignty spanning across their whole lifestyle. So I think there's a lot more to come in this area. And uh, yeah, you're doing it right. Living in Texas, eating real meat outside the city. Mm. So that's, that's, I think, a good start. But Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about Oshi and contact you? in general. Yeah. So the best way to find out about Oshi is just Oshi.tech. That's our website. Um, we do have an app where you can still kind of do like this, you know, buy things with, with lightning using Bitcoin, doing all that. But uh, yeah, our, our, our new product, you can check out at Oshi.tech. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. You can, you can email me, Michael at Oshi.tech. Um, happy to answer any questions, whether you're a business looking to get involved in Bitcoin or you're interested in, in, in some of our products. Um, happy to help. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. Um, I really love the intersection between Bitcoin and health. So wealth and health. And like you said, it's like, it's, it's almost odd in a way that, um, it's odd yet. It's, it's like this movement, um, mm -hmm. how we're so passionate about things that for the longest time, no one ever had to even really think about. Yeah. Like health and just money. Like those were just, people could focus on creating immense value for others and being happy and leading happy lives and raising wonderful families. Um, so I guess my question for y'all, what about this? Like, let's say we, we win, all right? We're going to win. The money is Bitcoin. Everything is healing. People are eating nutrient-dense foods uh, Monsanto is done. Uh, like all of these things, where do we go? Right. Like, cause we have to, you know, eventually we get so worked up about these things. It's like me in particular with Bitcoin. One day Bitcoin is going to be like the internet and I'm not going to have like internet meetups and maybe we won't have health meetups. Like we're just going to have just meetups. Gatherings. Yeah. <laughs> Social gatherings because all that other shit has been taken care of. We're good. The money is fixed. Food is fixed. Our bodies are fixed. It's going to be interesting. What do you guys have I to can, say? I can say this for certain. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be some instigation that's trying to tear down all the goodness that's, that I think is going to be built. doesn't mean that that's going to like ruin it per se, but there's always that's just a human nature thing. I don't think we can get by and be like, super uh i don't know like doing kumbaya in a circle or something like that even though that'd be kind of cool but i i do think that there there is a lot of brighter things ahead and i think i just i think there would be i think it'd be great to just have sort of like peace of mind 
Um, but there's all, like I said, there's always going to be, it's just hard because we're innately animals and we're innately tribal. So there's always going to be this sort of like tribalism bashing of some sort. But I'd like to see it in less, I'd like to see it where it's like, in a more Bitcoin fashion where it's like, that's just like how it is. I'd love to see Monsanto gone. Like I'll settle at that. Yeah. I, I think we're just going to have similar things, but like higher quality and because higher quality, you know, systems, they take more effort, right? So yeah. we'll have more people thinking about, you know, like regenerative agriculture, like sourcing food the right way, um, educating people. We'll be able to actually maybe figure out, um, you know, the quantum side of biology and computing yeah. and, We'll, we'll just be able to achieve more things, I think, as a society at a higher quality of life for like the average person. But it is interesting to kind of play that that game of, of how it's going to play out. And yeah, it's probably not going to be all rainbows and sunshine yeah. um, at the end Hopefully of the day. Hopefully more rainbows, it's, though. It's, it's going to be a rocky, <laughs> rocky road to get there, probably. But that's uh, yeah. low, low time preference thinking right there. So Yeah, I'm, maybe we'll be surprised by how quickly all things considered things kind of heal, you know? Yeah. Um, like, and, and fiat is tied to so much of these, you know, chronic Divisions. ailments of society. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to be very interesting. Imagine all the mind share that no longer has to think about all these complex banking <laughs> bullshit and all these, you know, doctors that have the right, you know, mindset at heart that are focused on statins mm-hmm. instead of more enriching things and you know civilization enhancing things it's uh that's the renaissance that's right we'll build now, beautiful buildings and have nice artwork again or something exactly know. well that's what i was about to say well i've just not we'll have more time to really focus on things from like a beauty an aesthetic perspective that lasts like a really long time which is exciting it's an exciting time to be alive it is regardless but awesome michael well thanks so much for coming on we appreciate it and uh we'll link all oshi and your twitter in the show notes and yeah thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of decentralized radio we'll see you next time thanks guys